Oh, what divine persecution is this, that Zuckin in his great wisdom decreed. Must I forever churn the spit of war, and roast the supple meat of mortal souls? I must needs parley with a new power, who writes with unseen ink upon the page of history, whose narrative counters what fate hath written stone against my will. The Tragedy of Grinwald, Act Two, Scene Three. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exesa, Episode Eleven. A Phantom in the Mist. last panel in place. The shadow was born. Quinn and I sat down, observing our work. A shrine to the mistress of the ebon mist. Twenty mirrored panels, forming a dome-like structure atop Cragfall's highest peak. The mirrors were arranged to bend sunlight at every angle. Shinestones were set in the floor of the shrine, providing light at nighttime. At all hours, there would be a shadowy figure moving about in the shrine's center. A placard of onyx rested at the foot of the shrine. Emblazoned in silver was the oath I took so long ago. I am your blade to be wielded. I am your arrow to be aimed. I am your enemy's last sight. I am your phantom in the mist. I am yours. It was midday. Our makeshift shadows snaked around the corners of the dome. Quinn unscrewed a flask and took a swig. She offered it to me. I accepted, sniffing the contents before drinking. The liquor had notes of spiced oranges. Sonos Private Reserve, I said with a smile. You got this from her cabinet, didn't you? Quinn winked. It was shortly after she hired me. Couldn't help but notice it was just sitting there during one of her meetings in that ominous grove of hers. I snuck it just long enough to fill up a flask. That was stupid? Yeah, Quinn laughed. But come on, it's centuries-old scotch. What if she'd caught you? I guess I'd be dead, Quinn chortled. Thing is, though... For all her bluster, I knew she was really a big softie on the inside. I sat with Quinn's words a moment. Taking another swig, I handed the flask back to her. My question brought a wistful grin to Quinn's lips. I met one of her agents at an Alzarian ruin on the Hook Peninsula, Arik Uramet. Saved him from a pressure plate trap down in the lower chambers. 
After that, he convinced Isolde to speak with me about being her tech person. She was a little apprehensive at first, but Arik won her over. They had a certain... chemistry. I perked up at the name Quinn mentioned. Arik. Isolde mentioned him. Down in Grinvaldian. Something about... a date. Really? Well, scorch me. Rekindling an old flame. Well, that is, she was. We fell silent. Listened to the wind sing through the valleys below, like the whispers of a god. Insects crawled their meager path across the mountain. Condors flew overhead, scanning for their next meal. What do you think happened to them? I asked, breaking the silence. The other agents. No clue, Quinn sighed. Probably stuck wherever their last mist door took them. No way home, with no weapons or communication. And without Isolde's magic, they're remembering the pieces of their lives they gave up when they contracted with her. I shuddered at the thought of dozens, perhaps hundreds of agents all currently reeling from the trauma of their past lives, crashing into recollection. Not to mention their disguises are gone, Quinn added. She eyed me for a moment. By the way, if it's any consolation, you look good. I caught a glimpse of myself in one of the mirrored panels of the shrine. Of course I'd noticed the change in days prior, but hadn't really taken the time to soak it in. My round face, brown eyes, cleft chin and goatee, the sharp nose and dimpled cheeks, even the tiny scar on my forehead. I looked like a stranger to myself. This was not Claude Von Der. It was the ghost of Rowan of Shalecross, come to haunt me for my failures. We should have been proud. We'd averted disaster. Saved Exeser from almost certain annihilation. And yet, for all our efforts, all our sacrifice, I couldn't help but feel as though we'd done nothing at all. New Alzar had still been sacked. True, Azan Ra's forces had been weakened after the battle in the Holy City but they were far from broken, and they still possessed weaponry that outclassed the rest of the known world. Star Sired had been defeated, but deep down I knew another would take her place soon enough. The Kikte would lick their wounds, recover, and strike again. Only this time, Exeser would not have the Ebon Mist to protect them. Then there was still the matter of the Inquisitor, there was no telling how far she'd been able to slither into the Kikte ranks. And with Isolde's magic gone, there was nothing stopping her from remembering her past with me. The hunt for Nyx, Zara, and Leona would begin anew, and I would be just as guilty for it as before. Something ate at the back of my mind. I watched the shadow within the shrine thinking of my last encounter with the Pierced Man. How it spoke of the gods as mitigating forces, able to influence natural laws but not control them. 
Then I thought of Winvarian, Isolde's father and the god of eternity. Pieces came together in my mind while I recalled Isolde's final words to me. The mist will never die, I whispered. What's that? Quinn asked. I looked at her. Isolde said that to me when she died. I was just thinking, it doesn't make sense for frights to die. Their creator is the god of eternity, after all. Quinn nodded with understanding. In the past few days since the battle, I'd had plenty of time to recount to Quinn all that I'd learned in the Pierced Man's temple. Yeah, now that you mention it, that is strange. Quinn's brow furrowed as she stared at his old shrine. Although, she was cut off from her home after the Sundering. Yes, but even so, she wasn't mortal like us. But the gods don't have as much control as they want us to believe. If Grinvald can't control war, what makes you think Winvarian can control death? Maybe he can't control it, per se, but... I looked to the sky, shaking my head. I don't know. Maybe death isn't the same for them? Maybe... Maybe there's a way she could come back. Quinn managed a sad smile and patted my hand. I... I want that to be true, Von Der. I, I really do. But you told me what you saw. What she looked like in the end. Did that look like something she could come back from? She had a point. For days I'd struggled to push away the images of her mangled body, flayed by Craver's talons. The image of her flesh crumbling into ash would be seared into my memory forever. And even before all this, there'd been writing on the wall. After the Everwake crisis, she'd told me her days were numbered. The day will come when I am barely the master of my own shadow, let alone others. I stared at the ground by my feet. Perhaps it was wishful thinking. A symptom of grief. In this world of gods and monsters, magic and miracles, it was hard for me to accept her death as absolute. I wanted to erase it, like I'd wanted to erase the wounds I'd inflicted on my friend and his family. But all I'd done is allow them to fester. A reflective silence was interrupted by the fervent beating of wings. Beyond the shrine, something large was rising through the air to greet us. We stood and assumed a defensive stance, as a kikte with midnight blue wings soared above us. Storm Dreamer caught sight of us, a look of panic on his face. She's here, he shouted. She brought her men. Run, now! Who? I called out. Just go, before... A bang erupted from below. A black mesh ball shot up toward Storm Dreamer. It struck him, and the black ball opened up and enveloped him. A net, I recognized. My stomach sank as I watched my comrade struggle to break free of the mesh binds. With his wings constricted, he could no longer maintain his altitude. Storm Dreamer plummeted down to the plateau where Quinn and I stood. I dove for him, 
he crashed full force into me. My right shoulder popped out of place as we rolled together across the rocky ground. Quinn helped roll Stormdreamer off of me. I gripped my teeth, rolling to my left side to avoid putting pressure on my right shoulder. As Quinn searched for something sharp to try and cut the kicktay free, I heard footsteps approaching. No. Marching. A troop of several dozen armored soldiers marched up the path towards the mountain's peak. Most were armed with lances, swords, and bows. But a few of them bore powered rifles that were obviously Alzarian. One appeared loaded with the same net that caught Stormdreamer. They carried a banner of royal purple, with a crest depicting a diamond guarded by an armadillo, a snake, and a condor, the banner of Mira. Leading the troop, flanked by two of the knights with powered rifles, was Lady Songwake. Gone was the alluring regalia she'd worn at the opera. In its place was a full suit of scale armor, dyed purple and gold in a swirling pattern. An iron helm covered her hair. The jeweled piercings and henna tattoos on her face could barely be seen. She still wore a flowing purple half-cape across her left shoulder, though. Queen Songwake observed her caught quarry writhing on the ground. Her eyes flickered up to Quinn and myself. She appeared nonplussed at our appearance, almost relaxed. Her gaze drifted towards his old shrine. I did not know her well, said the queen, but I imagine your mistress would have liked that Vondere. Fear boiled up inside me. How did she know it was me? She'd never seen my true face. And how could she possibly know about Isolde? She spoke with the casual tone of someone strolling through a garden, the tone of someone in complete control. I braced myself. I knew it would be a challenge, dealing with her after what the four had done. But there was something else wrong here. Your resplendence, I said coolly. This is all a misunderstanding. More than you know, Von Der. The queen snapped her fingers. One of her soldiers turned a crank on their weapon. I noticed the net that caught Stormdreamer was connected to the rifle via a long cord. The cord retracted, dragging Stormdreamer across the jagged, rocky ground towards the soldier. Queen Songwake, we have bigger problems, I yelled in protest. Azan Ra is regrouping. They've lost Starsired, but they still have access to the weapons of New Alzar. In time, they will launch a counterattack. If we're going to stop them, we need the Miraculous Four. Oh? The brigands who broke into my manor, assaulted their queen, and kidnapped Dinarthi. They didn't know if they could trust you. Their methods were questionable. But the four were doing what you'd asked. Black Sun is destroyed. We couldn't have done it without them. Oh, I agree. The queen knelt down beside Stormdreamer patting the side of his constricted head. They performed exactly as I'd hoped, as did their hostage. It was then 
that the soldier who'd reeled in Storm Dreamer caught my eye. He was a great deal leaner than the rest of Songwake's men, and seemed to quiver under the weight of his armor. His helm obscured most of his face, but I could still see the three-dot scar under his right eye. Denarthi locked eyes with me. They welled with tears, begging for forgiveness. I almost didn't recognize him without the cryptic words, the wailing or twitching. But the eyes were the same, and they told me all I needed to know. All we'd done is freedom from one master to go serve another. Cold truth wrapped around my heart, like someone planted a seed in my chest long ago, and I was now feeling the roots. The accusation flung from my mouth. You wanted this, I blurted out. I didn't even fully know what I'd meant yet. But it was coming to me. Her knowledge, the timing of her arrival. Gods, Vondere, you've missed something. But what? Queen Songwake smiled, sickly sweet. What I want, Vondere is Exesor at peace. To achieve that, we must eliminate every threat possible. Reality crashed through my mind like a comet. Answers flooded in, faster than I could process them. Denarthi was a plant, I thought, but he was Ellipsis's thrall. Ellipsis, whose kin was... Star-sired, I whispered. My eyes met the queen's. They were dark and deep, like lakes hiding some great slithering beast. The Kiktay aren't your enemy, are they? I asked. They are a nuisance, yes. Queen Songwake broke formation and stepped forward. Her boot dug deep into Stormdreamer's wing as she stepped over him. And they will get their due. But it's a matter of triage, my dear. Leveling the playing field. No sense in two ships trading cannon fire if the sea threatens to swallow you both. We decided to work towards a common goal. Nualzar. You wanted their weapons. I knew that wasn't the full truth as soon as I said it. You're grasping, Vondair. The queen laughed her booming voice ringing out into the valleys below. She was close now, so close I could smell her lavender scent across the mountain breeze. No, my dear, I had other irons in the fire for that. No, I was more referring to you. You and yours, that is. The ebon mist. Quinn's voice was quiet and weighted. You wanted to destroy the Ebon Mist. I looked over at my friend. Her hands were balled up into fists. Eyes downcast, body quaking. I did not want to believe it, but I knew in my heart it was true. You knew about Grinvaldian, she continued. You've known all this time. That's how you found us so quickly. 
You knew what ellipses could do to other kindred, other frights. That's why you wanted us involved. The queen brushed past the two of us, patting Quinn condescendingly on the shoulder. From the corner of my eye, I saw that she was moving towards Isolde's shrine. She didn't bother to look back. Ellipsis was a threat, yes, but it was not the only fright that has threatened the world. During the Everwake crisis, I saw what power even one kin could wield. I watched dozens of members of my cabinet fall into weeks-long slumber. Many are still poisoned by nightmares. Our government was in utter chaos. But we stopped that, I seethed, rounding on her. The Ebon Mist stopped Kuga Grakonak, stopped Ananias. And for that, the world should be what? Grateful? Queen Songweg threw up her hands. Her poise gave way to acidic menace. That some phantoms in the mist decide who lives and who dies. That a supernatural entity wields enough power to topple a nation. Sounds like someone was just jealous, Quinn spat. You ordered Denarthi to form a contract with Ellipsis, I followed. You sacrificed him, used him as bait. Do you have any idea what that did to him? His family will be rewarded handsomely for his service to the crown. Land, titles, his mind is shattered, just like the minds of my people when Everwake attacked. Only this time, Denarthi's selfless act rid Exesor of not one, but two monsters. Quinn began to heave with rage. I placed a hand on her shoulder, stilling her. My blood was racing, too. To use us so callously. To flippantly toy with so many lives. Who was this person? If ending the mist was your goal, I pressed. Why involve the four at all? If not for them, I'd have taken Denarthi straight to the mist. True, said Queen Songwake. She was at the shrine now, her fingers pensively stroking the glass panels. But it was too great a risk. Your result was quite powerful. I knew the four wouldn't trust me enough, or you for that matter. And I already knew if they took the map... It would lead them straight to the holy city, where Lipsis was the strongest. It was only a matter of time before you caught up with them. You are so very good at what you do, Claude von Der. And had I failed to defeat Ellipsis? We had alternatives. New Alzar's armaments were more than sufficient to bury Ellipsis under that mountain for another millennia. The flying machines... I recalled. Those airborne vehicles the Kikte brought into the Holy City. Each one of them looked like they had enough firepower to punch a hole through the mountain. But it was all moot. I'd played my unwitting role to perfection. Now Ellipsis was dead, and his old too. And with New Alzar's weaponry, Roth and Azen-Ra were now the most powerful nations of Exesor. I looked around me, at Denarthi weeping, at Stormdreamer entangled on the ground, Songwake's soldiers, Quinn fuming, his old shrine. 
I found myself again on top of the world, as I had on Blade Fang Mountain. Back then I challenged fate, blazed my own trail. Here, fate had entrapped me. I felt foolish, alone, and so very small. So what happens now? I asked, facing the ground. Well, it is as you said, sighed the queen. Azenra is regrouping. Perfect time for us to strike. We are matched for firepower, but Roth will have the element of surprise. And there will be no black sun to save them. As for you all, well, consorting with frights is a crime punishable by death, I'm afraid. The mist will never die. Quinn spoke up again. She looked directly at the queen. Hot tears streamed down her cheeks. A scornful smile cut across her face. You've made a mistake. A stupid, terrible mistake. Isolde will return. And when she does, you will never see daylight again. An instant tension crackled in the air. The soldiers tensed. They were not used to hearing their queen threatened. Songwake herself cocked her head to the side, curling a cat-like smile at Quinn. Her pointer finger tapped slowly on the side of one of the panels on the shrine. A mighty gust of wind barreled through, demanding our silence for a time. Eventually it passed, and the top of the world was still as an empty church. Queen Songwake pounded her fist twice on the side of the shrine. Get this trash out of my sight, she yelled. What came next were two loud bangs. Quinn and I ducked, as two bolts of purple-black energy from Alzarian rifles careened towards the shrine. They eviscerated the glass, spraying the sky with thousands of tiny shards. Sunlight caused them to glitter as they fell, like teardrops, back to the earth. Quinn charged for the queen. You scorching, heartless! I moved to stop her. A mechanical popping sound halted me. I ducked as another net launched from the formation, this time aiming for Quinn. She was mere feet away from the queen when it struck her. The mesh enveloped her, and she crashed hard onto the ground. As they reeled her in, I raced to her aid. I knew what would happen before I heard the second pop. Sure enough, a net struck me too. My body fumbled through the air as the mesh bound me. I fell, striking my head against a stone on the ground. The world above me started to spin and darken. I was vaguely aware of Queen Songwake's figure as she loomed over me. Why? I asked hazily. So many frights. Why is old? Why me? The queen knelt down and patted my face. My vision faded to black. Her piercing eyes were the last thing I saw when she said, I'd better let her explain that. 
I awakened to the sound of dripping water. My head lifted, throbbing and cloudy. It took a while for my vision to adjust. I was in a cell. It was cold, dim. A single torchlight hung from a sconce in the hallway beyond my iron bars. Everything stunk of rust, rot, and bodily fluids. I tried to move, and found I was bound hand and foot to a rickety wooden chair. It took me a moment to realize it. My head was so cloudy from my fall, and I was so busy getting my bearings. I didn't notice immediately that this place felt so familiar. It wasn't until I noticed the cell at the end of the hall, outfitted with four sets of chains hooked up to the walls, sporting a permanent pool of dried blood in the center, that I remembered. A recreation, I realized. The building is newer. Some of the cells are in the wrong place. But it was close enough to evoke the memory of my time in the Inquisitor's dungeon. My father and I, laying in our own filth, our bodies diced and prodded according to her whims. My heart thrashed like a wild animal in my chest. Someone went to great pains to build this, I thought. Someone intimate with the original. Shink, shink. Shink. There was a sudden, subtle scraping of metal to my side. It scoured my soul with dread. More than Ananias, more than even Ellipsis, this sound made me want to scream. To cry, to beg, to die on the spot. Please, I prayed. Anything but this. Anything but her. Quivering, I turned my head. There, in the darkest corner of my cell, was a pair of glowing eyes, red and opaque. I could just barely make out the curve of her bull-like horns. In her hands, she was sharpening a dagger with a whetstone. Her face was obscured, but the corners of her cheeks ticked up in a crooked smile. Hello, Rowan, said the Inquisitor. It's been a long time. We've got some catching up to do. Echoes of Exeser is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand and freesound.org. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofxeser at gmail.com.